Welcome to Thoughts in the Market. I'm Andrew Sheets, Morgan Stanley's Chief Cross-Asset Strategist. And I'm Bruno Skarica, Morgan Stanley's UK Economist. And on part two of this special two-part edition of the podcast, we'll be talking about the market implications of the latest political, economic, and market developments in the UK. It's Friday, October 28th at 2 p.m. in London. So, Andrew, we already discussed the economic outlook for the UK. And today, I'd like to turn our conversation to you and your cross-asset views. Obviously, the current economic and political situation in the UK has a very significant impact on both macro and micro markets. Let's start with one of the number one investor questions around the UK, which is the mortgage market. Roughly one in four mortgages has a variable rate, and current estimates suggest that more than a third of UK mortgage holders will see their rates rise from under 2 to over 6% over the next year. What is your outlook for the mortgage market and its impact on the UK consumer, especially amid what is already severe cost of living crisis? Like the US, most household debt in the UK is held in the form of mortgages. Unlike the U.S., though, those mortgages tend to have a quite short period where the rate is fixed. The typical U.K. mortgage, the rate is only fixed for two to five years, which means that if you bought a house in 2020 or 2021, a lot of those mortgages are coming due for a reset very soon. And that reset is large. The mortgage, when it was taken out in 2020, might have had a rate of 2%. The current rate that it will reset to is closer to 6%. So that's a tripling of the interest rate that these homeowners face. So this is a very severe consumer shock, especially if you layer it on top of higher utility bills. This is, I think, a big challenge that, as you correctly identified in our conversation yesterday, that the Bank of England is worried about. And, you know, this is one reason why we think the pound will weaken. I'm sure we'll talk about the pound more. But if rate rises in the UK work their way into the household much faster because the mortgage fixed period is much shorter, maybe that means the Bank of England can't hike as much as markets expect, whereas the Fed can because the dynamics in the mortgage market are so much different. Indeed. Now, aside from that, UK rates have also seen a historical level of volatility this year. The pound as well has been weak all year, even though it has rallied a bit recently. Perhaps let's focus on the currency first. How do you see the pound from here? Do you think the downside risks have subsided or the structural risks still remain? So the pound is a very inexpensive currency. It's inexpensive on a number of the different valuation measures that we look at, purchasing power parity, real effective exchange rate. And it's certainly fallen a lot. But our view is that the pound will fall further and that this temporary bounce that the pound has enjoyed in the aftermath of another new leadership team in the country is ultimately going to be short-lived. A lot of the economic challenges that were there before the mini-budget are still there. Weak economic growth, large current account deficit, trade friction coming out of Brexit. And also, I think this part about the Bank of England maybe not raising rates as much as the market expects, there's that much less interest income for investors for holding the pound. We forecast a medium-term level for the pound relative to the dollar about 1.05, so still lower from here. And we do think the pound will be the underperformer across UK assets. Now, aside from the pound, I've mentioned investors have been very focused on the UK rates market, where we have indeed seen a lot of volatility in recent weeks. Now, what do valuations look like here after all the fiscal U-turns? And is Morgan Stanley still bearish on gilts? It's common to talk about historic moves in the global market. And sometimes you realize you're talking about a market that's been around for 10 years or 20 years. 
the UK bond market's been around for hundreds of years. And we saw some of the largest moves in that history over the last two months. So these have been really extreme moves, both up and down, as a result of the fallout from that mini budget. But going forward, we think UK rates will rise further from here. We think bonds will underperform. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that the real interest rate on UK gilts, the yield above expected inflation, it's not very high. It's, it's about zero, actually. Whereas if I invest in a US inflation-protected security, I get about 1.5% more than the inflation rate. And then I think you add on this challenge of it's a smaller market, you add on the challenge of there's more political uncertainty, and then you add in the risk that inflation stays higher than the Bank of England expects, that core inflation remains more persistent. And I think all of these are reasons why the market could inject a little bit more risk premium into the gilt market. One other thing that's been highlighted by our colleagues in interest rate strategy is just simply there's a lot of supply of gilts. There's supply of gilts, uh, not just because the government's running a deficit, but there's supply because the Bank of England was a major buyer and a major holder of gilts during the era of quantitative easing, and it's shifting towards quantitative tightening. So heavy supply, low real rates, and I think potential for kind of a higher risk premium are all reasons why we think gilts underperform both bonds and treasuries. Now that you mentioned quantitative tightening, of course, the Bank of England is planning to sell its credit holdings as well. What is the situation in the sterling credit market? Can you walk us through the challenges and opportunities there right now for both domestic and foreign investors? Yeah, so I think the credit market in the UK is actually one of the better stories in this market. Now, it's not particularly liquid, but I think where sterling credit has some advantages is, one, it's actually a relatively international market. Only about half of it references UK companies. The other half of it is global companies, including a lot of US issuers. So the credit market is not a particularly domestically focused index to the extent people are worried about the UK domestic situation. It's a market that trades at a spread discount to the US, both because of some of the recent volatility and the fact that it's a little bit less liquid. This is a market that yields around six and a half percent, six and three quarters percent on investment grade credit. That's, I think, a pretty good return relative to expected inflation relative to where we think credit risk is in that market. So, you know, amidst some other more difficult stories, we think the credit market might end up being a relatively better one. Finally, let's take a step back, perhaps, and take a look at some of the UK's structural vulnerabilities. The UK has a very weak net international investment position. It's reliant on foreign money to fund some of its deficit And despite the recent fiscal U-turns, the UK's fiscal deficit is still relatively large. In the context of these vulnerabilities, can you maybe discuss how recent events have affected foreign investors' confidence and how do you see things going forward? Yeah, so I think this is a really important issue and, and maybe a good one to close on. The UK, as you just mentioned, runs a very large current account deficit. It imports much more than it exports. And when you do that, you need to attract foreign capital to make up that difference. Now, the U.S. also imports more than it exports. The U.S. also runs a large current account deficit. But because the U.S. is this large, deep capital market, it's seen as a relative winner in the global economy in terms of the makeup of its companies and its longer-term growth, it tends to have an easier time attracting that foreign capital. 
The UK has more challenges there. It's a much smaller market. It doesn't have the same sort of tech leadership that you see in the US. And in terms of attracting the foreign capital into the equity market, well, that's been more difficult because you've had some uncertainty over what UK corporate tax policy will be. The UK equity market also tends to be quite energy and commodity focused. So in an ESG focused world, it's more complicated to attract inward investment. And then on the bond market side, the UK's bonds don't yield more than UK inflation at the moment. So again, that's probably worked against attracting foreign investment. So maybe one other factor there that is important, and we've touched this in a glancing way throughout this conversation, is Brexit, that the UK's exit from the European Union does still present a number of big uncertainties around how UK companies and the UK economy will operate relative to its largest trading partner. And so again, we can see a scenario where just simply higher risk premiums or lower valuations are ultimately needed to clear the market. So Bruna, thanks for taking the time to talk. Thanks, Andrew. And thanks for listening. If you enjoy Thoughts of the Market, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with a friend or colleague today. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you.